Welcome to the So Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Broom, along with my co-host, Ron Oaks Cunningham. And today we are joined by John Hamm, part of the OKC Dream Team and Oklahoma City Thunder expert, longtime watcher. John, welcome to the uh, So Wizards podcast. I mean, I, I appreciate you guys uh, deciding to lower the level of your quality and bringing me on this show. That's that's great. I appreciate that. We'll we'll let our listeners be the judge of that. No, John and I go way <laughs> way back. We we, we actually were co-writers. We were we were, well. You wrote about the Thunder. I wrote about the Wizards way back at Real GM, like when it was kind Wait. of just a message board and a trade checker. Pre- pretty much, yeah. Uh-huh. And that was before the Thunder even existed, you know. Yeah. And that was. That was just me stumbling and falling into a group of guys that had a passion for the NBA collective bargaining agreement, right? And so uh, I was doing stuff for Real GM, and you were one of the the, the popular. They were the Wizards at the time, yeah, because it was yeah, Michael Jordan. Wizards. So they were the Wizards, yeah. Um, you know, you were one of the the popular Wizards people at that time, and I know, yeah, you did some writing on Real GM, and so yeah, our paths uh, crossed back then, and from time to time. Um, you know they, they come across each other so yeah yeah uh, and okay. and we've had that Especially opportunity here. again yeah, yeah. right <laughs> well I'm, I'm jealous of you uh at least john you you got to cover uh real superstars over your time there i mean you've got kevin <laughs> uh i like james james wasn't yet a superstar but people right. knew people knew he was coming and then you had you know the mr okc himself brody so that's that's pretty cool. We have what? We uh we have Jan Vesley. Oh, have you heard about the the superstar Admiral Schofield? Oh my God, that boy is nice. Created um, to OKC was briefly a member of the Thunder, by the way. So yeah, I I was I was psyched when the Thunder traded for him, but it didn't last long. Yeah, it does. It superstar. It <laughs> yeah. You no, always give up on a superstar too early. <laughs> we uh we have been exceptionally blessed here in Oklahoma. Honestly, I mean, not, yeah, obviously Durant. Uh, Westbrook and Harden Um, but you know throw in Paul George throw in Carmelo Anthony now Shea Gildas Alexander hopefully Chet Holmgren maybe Jalen Williams you know like we we have been like really blessed around these parts yeah Jalen Williams was a guy in the in the pre-draft process that you know he popped up big on on in some of the numbers uh, you know number stuff that I do and then there were a number of like sort of the the real like college basketball junkies who kept saying no this is a guy you you, you should be looking at taking the wizards yeah. not take him and um yeah he's he's certainly had a better rookie year than the guy the wizards took so <laughs> yeah i uh, and, and look i was one of those people that was like man i kind of like johnny davis man i i, I really <laughs> like uh, like what what he could bring and you know you you never give up on a guy this soon right but right, no it, it 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 stings a little when there's other guys after that that start making impacts and he's not. Yeah, yeah. the one uh, that that just chaps me still is is picking Avdia over uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, I do my pre-draft uh, statistical analysis, rate the prospects and stuff, and I had uh, Tyrese rated second overall, and. My, the, I had such a mismatch between what I thought of Halliburton and the, by looking at the numbers and what all of the you know scouts and the 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 you know the, the the internet scouts and all the rumors were about him that I actually start went and started looking for like why am I wrong? And mm-hmm. Like everything I found out about the kid, it was like okay, his shot is funky and he has to shoot from really far away because it's like supposed to be too slow, he can't get it off. But 
he still shot a really high percentage on high volume. So, uh, you know, and he, he passes like crazy and look, and his teammates adore him and his opponents adore him and he smiles and he laughs and he has a great time while he's kicking their ass. And it's like, okay. And he's, he's too skinny, but he's also yeah. 20 years old. And it's like, what's wrong with this kid? And so I was like, when I saw him sitting there at, at nine, I was like, just pick him. And of course they, they picked Avdia and yeah. now he's, you know, he'll probably, I mean, he'll be an all-star for this year for sure. Should be so. all NBA. I think at least in my eyes, I mean, he's a sensational. He's, he's, he's in the mix. Vinny, and yeah. So um, he's my favorite Vinny, player Vinny. and my favorite player in the league period. I mean, I watch him as much as I can on league pass and stuff. Um, and it would have been great to be able to watch my favorite player in a Wizards uniform, but you know, I get to watch <laughs> yeah. some Pacers games now. <laughs> well, I feel I feel Denny will make all the census team, and it's like it sucks. Like a, a lot of Wizards folks uh, lament the fact that we didn't get Tyrese, but um, and and rightfully so. No one looks at it from the fact that the John Wall um, gang sign videos. Those of us like who ventured to DC hotspots, we knew he was in, like surrounded by the wrong folks. Like there's, yeah. you know, Rose Bar, John Wall. Like you know. You can't bring your gun to Rose Bar. You don't really want to be around those folks at Rose Bar on certain nights unless you're all the way up in that upstairs, upstairs secret uh, lounge area. But in any event, that that video came out months before um, the draft. Like, because remember, this was the the COVID the COVID draft. So I want to say the John Wall video came out maybe in the summer. And so if you knew you were going to move on or looking to like move on from that guy. Yeah, I, I I don't get taking Denny over Tyrese at that point. However, if, if you thought John was going to be a part of your future, which, again, I doubt that they thought that, then I can get it. It's like, all right, Denny slots in better with John already here as opposed to bringing a rookie along to play with Brad. Nevertheless, yeah. uh, Wizards folks like Kev, they're never going to let it go. So he's going to lash out by anything that another player does that Denny does not do. Denny will catch that straight. Yeah. 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 And and look, it's been talked about that 2020 draft was just, it was just weird, you know, for a number of reasons, all of them COVID related, of course, but you know, no NCAA tournament, no in-person meetings. You you hear about some of the uh, breaking of the rules meetings that were happening uh, anyway. And, and like, there's been a lot told afterwards about how it was just unusual. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to be one we look back and just find so many misses over time, just because it didn't fall in the normal draft cycle. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, a passion for the, uh, the CBA. And um, so, and we talk, certainly you're, you're somebody who knows about team building and that kind of stuff. So, um, Obviously, the, the the Oklahoma City Thunder are what? How many years are you guys into the rebuild? And uh, I mean, I guess what's the status? What's going on? Yeah, no, in terms it, of the rebuild, I I do think it's important to bring this up because you know some people get the impression like that OKC has been like dwelling in the cellar you know for a decade or so. This is year three of the rebuild. So, 2019 is when Paul George is traded, Russell Westbrook is traded. And I, I refer to that season as scrub season nine 
And if you're a Scrubs fan, you get this joke. If not, you're like, what is this guy talking about? But it's like Scrubs season nine had eight fantastic seasons with the main cast. And then season nine was like some different characters like kind of blended in. And this season was Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, um, and some holdovers like Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder and, and company. And um, But it was sort of like bringing the plane down from 30,000 feet. They had such a high payroll with Russ and PG and, and Jeremy Grant and Adams and others. Yeah. And it was, it was pre-rebuild, right? Um, at that time, bringing in Chris Paul, who Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta said had the worst contract in history. He didn't specify like basketball. Like it was just the worst contract in the history of mankind. Like we had no idea what to expect out of Chris Paul. Is he completely washed? Is that this aged well, be... right? <laughs> yeah, right. And credit to Chris, like, you know, went plant-based, came back and was like, just proved everyone wrong, not only in OKC, but also in Phoenix, right? Um, and so, yes, like it, that was kind of a gap year. Um, but after that season is when, you know, they, then they made all of the trades and that was after the, after the bubble. So that was, you know, before the 2020, 2021 season. Um, so yeah, this is just year three of the Thunder rebuild and they've only been in the lottery twice since then. Yeah. And so, you know, but, but I know it's, it's really popular to think that this team has been there for years, but honestly, you know, reality, they, they haven't. And they're, you know, they may be primed to, uh, as soon as next season, maybe start escalating back up again. Yeah. And this season, yeah. you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it might not have been like a true kind of tank season if Holmgren has foot had been okay, you know, yeah. but, because I think the team looks pretty different if, if Holmgren plays. I've um, if I can make a director's cut of this season, I would just go find a bunch of plays and put Holmgren in and like, here's what would happen if Chet was in there. Um, you know, he, he would be able to catch this lob pass that went over, I don't know, Mike Muscala's head, right? He would be able to to come out here and drag a defender along with him on the three-point line. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that was that was one of the debates on, on the OKC Dream Team pod over the summer is how good can this Thunder team be? And I felt like this team was going to be I felt like it was going to exceed expectations by, by a decent amount, not because Holmgren himself is worth 10 wins, but I just sort of felt like he was going to be the rug that tied the room together, so to speak, and, and really sort of connect some things and, and help this team take the next step. Unfortunately, he has the foot injury, but you know, that is allowed. It's given like, you know, uh, and the aforementioned Jalen Williams, you know, maybe more opportunity than we'd have got otherwise. Right. Sam Presti talked about how, he believes there's going to be a positive out of this, which is a, you know, a huge bummer. And they're, they're trying their best to, to navigate this season without Chet. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. imagine what they could do if they were giving like homegrown these minutes instead of say Pokashevsky and Muscala. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it changes a lot. Poku, well, Pokashevsky's been okay this year, but. He's, you know, again, that's another one of those people see him starting and thinking, oh, okay, so he wants to lose games again. He's actually been a very helpful player and he's been missed uh, yes. since he suffered a, a leg fracture. And, you know, Mascala is one of those guys that's good in, you know, 10 to 12 minutes per game. Um, but, you know, you, you start to overextend him when you go much beyond that. So, yeah, Chet alters a lot of that um, when he's finally able to play again. Because because of his injuries, has it I guess uh, given fans like another year of understanding? I mean, like if you think about it, you all 
you all over there are, are used to winning basketball. Right. Like it, 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 you're not like the laughing stock. I mean, the KD years, the KD and Russ years, the Russ solo yeah. years, PG and Russ. And it's like, um, so, so can you speak to that? Like, like what's the fan temperature on it? Like, are you all growing impatient? And, and I ask that because to give you some context, uh, the Wizards are probably the most banged up team this year, but all the stats, the advanced stats say when we're healthy, we're, we're actually a pretty, pretty solid team. We have like a mm-hmm. top 10, 10 lineup. Uh, our bench is, has been horrible, but the main star on the bench has missed, uh, I think 18 games and then the long rights missed more than that. So yeah. we don't, we don't recognize that reality. We're like, Fire the coach. Me too. I'm a part of that. <laughs> that we uh, must admit. Fire the coach. But it's like yeah. all these things where it's like, wait, we're so, hurt. So can you speak to right. that? Like, cause you all are hurt, and how how's it over there? Hold on. I'll yeah. let you say. I'll let you talk in just a minute because basically, I I disagree with so much of what Ron just said. <laughs> <laughs> right down to firing the coach. So, uh, but I guess maybe I'm just contrarian. So anyway, go ahead with what you were going to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I advance that. I, I don't think we're top 10. I, I think we're we're top 16 in the East. That's what I really think. But the advance that say we have a top 10 lineup, like, I think they've got a, a, about a 60% chance of finishing 11th. But um, anyway, John, yeah, what was the question know. again? It, it, you know, it, it's tough again, right? If healthy, that's like the eternal thing across sports. If healthy, um, yeah. and that that it's really, I mean, especially these days, it's just you know, it's it's almost impossible to to be healthy for an entire season, and and juggling that is is difficult. Um, so to to give you a little perspective, I mean, about Oklahoma in general, the king sport in Oklahoma is college football specifically Oklahoma University, OSU to a lesser extent. Um, but the expectations are you win. And if you don't win, uh, you need to go. And so like this season, like with Brent Venables taking over for the first time, you know, has obviously gotten a lot of fans uh, riled up because the team fell short of expectations. And so I, I just mentioned all that because even when the team had legendary Bob Stoops coaching the team and they came up short, Right. People wanted Bob Stoops to run out of town. He's a legend. They need to build statues and name highways and, and other pieces of you know buildings after him. Right. Uh, when Lincoln Riley came up short, you know, fans were starting to get, you know, a little a, a little hot under the collar. And then he leaves for USC and fans just go berserk. There there is that expectation. There is that standard that people have. Right. And I think what the Thunder have done very smartly and maybe even a little too early but after trading Russ and after trading Paul George, Sam Presti wrote an op-ed in the Oklahoman, the, the newspaper in the, in the OKC metro area, basically laying out like, I, he put it a lot more eloquently than I'm about to, but basically like people, we're going to rebuild. We're going to tear this down. You, the basketball is not going to be the quality you're used to, but the whole idea is that we want to set up for another run like we just had. And so... That is in place. I think a lot of people, myself included, have been out there saying, like, here's why rebuilding this way is smart. Yes, it sucks in the meantime. Yes, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to see some guys that are going to cycle in and out of town, right, that that are just not going to be part of the future. Uh, You're going to want to make short-term 
you know, uh, uh, trades and something that that's going to make this team a little bit better in the in the in the near term. But this front office is going to resist it for all of these reasons. And I would say largely, obviously, there's going to be some people out there that are some fringe, you know, uh, contrarians that are, you know, going to say otherwise. I would say there's been a, a big degree of understanding what they're doing. And so to tie it back to your original question, Ron, yeah. I mean, a lot of that was like when Chet got injured, a lot of the fan base went, okay, that, that sucks. But, you know, if they get one more high draft pick, that, that's probably for the best, right? I, I think that was the, the general feeling. And, that, and again, huge credit to the Thunder organization for, for helping getting that message out there in a state that has, you know, standards and expectations to win every single game, no matter what the sport. Yeah. Gotcha. Not like that in DC. It's not like that in DC. It's, uh... you know, here's it's. I'm not sure that it's not though. Um, I've got to be honest. I think that you know, if like Leonsis or if the Wizards went out there and said, "We're going to tear it down. We're going to rebuild. We think this is a three or four year process. It's going to suck while we do it." But let's face it, people, we've been losing for four decades and um, <laughs> we'd, we'd like to compete for something more than the 10th than 10th place. Right. It's, it's been a while since a 50 win season, for example, you know, yeah, that's been be. like, I mean, their last 50 win season would have been, I think it was the year after they won the championship. Yeah, in the they had the distinction of having the worst record in league history to win a championship. Yeah. They only won 44 games that season. It might've been before they, the year before they won the championship. I don't remember, but I mean, it, it was a good team. They were a good team for several years. Basically when, it, when West, when they had West on they were, they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, and yeah. um, but I think that if they went out there and explained that, that they they could they could have done that because they could have gotten in like the raft of picks that came on that Paul George trade. My understanding is that the first call that they made when because Kawhi's initial instruction to the Clippers was I'll sign with you, but I need another all star. And that was the, that was it. That was what his people communicated. And the, the Clippers started calling around. And one of the people they called was the Wizards and to see if they could get Beal. And the mm-hmm. Wizards just told him no. And um, then they kept shopping. And then Kawhi, you know, eventually said, you know, get me Paul George. And then they made yeah. the Godfather trade, you know. Right. And, you know, it, that was an example of, I think, OKC realizing the situation, Right. If the Clippers don't get Kawhi Leonard, he's probably going across town to the Lakers. There's a point of leverage, yeah. right? Okay, so you need Paul George in order to get Kawhi Leonard. The Thunder essentially traded Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers despite not having his rights. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it came down to. And, and like there was also mm-hmm. another thing with Anthony Davis and his contract situation i forget what it was at the time um maybe it was maybe it was a pending trade and whether he had to you know rescind the trade kicker anyway like like there was a lot of things that came together at one time mm-hmm. and okc was able to put the screws to the clippers yeah. and was like yeah you know we'll trade you paul george for this young player shea gilgis alexander and all of these draft picks but you're also getting Kawhi leonard if you make this trade yeah. and so you know, the, being able to recognize that and pull it off, you know, is is massive. And so that could have been the Wizards. Sure. You know, um, to an but, extent, I don't think you get five picks and, and plus pick swaps, but may, maybe, maybe not. I, I, it's, it's interesting to think about. Right. If mm-hmm. if the Wizards had like, again, 
put the screws to them. And that's honestly what, okay. They didn't, they didn't back off. Like, here's what it's going to take to make this happen for you. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm a softy. I probably would have, you know, I'll fine. Yeah. Go ahead and keep one of those first round picks. Okay. We'll go and do the deal. You know, but like, okay. So was like, here's the line in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So it's good. It's good bargaining. Good negotiating. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, like out here, like the, the, the product is let's get your hope up. This is the yearly plan. Let's get the fans hopes up. Let's make a marginal move. This marginal move will put us top six, and here we go again. And that's what we've been doing. In my entire life watching them, it's the constant, oh, shit, here we go again. Me. And it's, <laughs> Here's it's the thing, all, right? It almost came – sorry, I'll, I'll explain a friend. So, like, oh, again, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I agree with Kev. I don't think Bill is uh, built to be – that top five player, like your number one player, he's better suited as like a two, a three. Uh, and I'll, I'll be, I'll tell friends like, Oh, our time's coming. And they will ask, honestly, when has your time ever came? And the only thing I could point back to is how we were a Kelly Olenek quarter away from <laughs> advancing to the Eastern conference finals. Like yeah. if, yeah. but for Kelly Olenek flame throwing, um, that one quarter, really, the one quarter in Game Seven, it wasn't as if it was the entire game. Um, winning <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals, and, and we're talking about a total different trajectory of Washington basketball. But yeah. in any event, because we've come that close, and everyone, you know, could p- point back to it, like we were, we were that close again to the Eastern Conference Finals. Ever since then, it's been, oh shit, let's go again, marginal move upon marginal move. So I, I don't think like uh, the fans nor the the brass are as built as you all are in Oklahoma to to make such a long lasting uh, decision for the betterment of the team. So uh, I, I mean, just you ahead. can only do what your ownership will allow you to do. That's the other thing. Yeah, you know, uh, see Sam Presti and and the Thunder ownership group have been in sync. And everyone sort of understands the situation. OKC is not a destination market. Um, the the most likely way for them to acquire franchise changing talent is through the draft. And so, and there are benefits to getting draft picks and keeping them in your system potentially for eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to making short-term moves and guys cycle out after a year or two. So, you know, again, it, um, it, it is a strategy that makes sense for 30 NBA teams. Some teams don't have to rely on that. There's five or six teams that don't have to rely on the draft at all because mm-hmm. they're they're a destination. And there's other teams that, like you say, just the ownership doesn't have the stomach for it either because I, you know, I don't believe in not putting the best product on the floor. I don't believe in potentially, you know, trying to lose on purpose. And and no, we need to, we don't want to turn the fans away. We need, you know, a million reasons why they may not uh, go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the Ron's point is it's it goes even further. I mean, Ron's a lot younger than I am, but I mean, I was I got on the Wizards bandwagon in 1978 when well the Bullets bandwagon in 1978 when they won their championship. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of years later they were trading for Gus Williams, who was a few years later they were trading for Gus Williams. You know, a 31 year old point guard from Seattle who had a past. He 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 was a good player in the past, and I mean, mm-hmm. they traded for Dan Roundfield, who was like balding you know male pattern baldness with gray hair premature but still i mean the guy looked like he was 
you know, in his fifties and, you know, he, he actually retired in the middle of a season on them. They, they were playing Tom McMillan, who, you know, was prematurely completely gray. They just had like, I mean, they drafted a guy who was blind in one eye. They traded one year and sold it. Like they had finally gotten, they traded for this guy named Dave Feitel. I mean, these these are the moves (laughs) that this team made. They traded for, they traded Ben Wallace and other guys for Ike Austin. Because yeah. they needed a Who's true center. Austin was one inch taller. <laughs> we, we, we need to figure out the blind guy. Back up to whoa, that whoa. one. Whoa, slow down. Who was the blind guy? Oh, the blind guy. He was blind in one eye. His name was Doug Roth. I remember I remember a Doug Roth. Uh, yeah. Iowa? He might have yeah, played in Iowa. So. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Did you know, know he was blind, blind back then? <laughs> <laughs> no, they knew. They knew. They, they picked him anyway. Shockingly. <laughs> He was not a successful NBA player, although he did he did play for like a year or two. Like, I mean, he was when when I say he played for a year or two, I mean like he was on the team. He played a handful of games. Yeah, that's but, crazy. That this this is fantastic for me to just hear old names. Yeah. To just yeah. just reminisce about this. But I yeah. Mean, remember I mean, Mel Turpin? They 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 dinner bell. Dinner bell Mel, Mel Turpin. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. John yep. Hot Plate Williams. These are the these are the guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had like a Jeff Malone for a while. That was he. He was really good. Um, Good score. You know, you had your moments. You obviously had the Weber and and Howard years reuniting the Michigan guys. And I mean, that was that was a good taking advantage of leverage at that time because Weber was you know not going to go back to Golden State after opting out of the contract. And but you know, it just goes to show like how many things have to go right, even if you get superstar talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. to actually have success, it's it's hard, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, again, we were so. we were uh what I forget, I think Kelly like okay, I'm stretching back six years ago, man. With COVID, you gotta add like multiply that by maybe 0.5, right? Like that's how much COVID's added to it. But yep. if memory serves me correct, Kelly scored maybe like eight or eight or ten straight in the fourth quarter. It was, a, it was a three-point game. It was like yeah. a single Brad was cooking. We yeah. was a Kelly Olenek, and we could have beat that Cleveland that Cleveland team. So, you know, for, for what it's worth, I'm sorry you had to go through that, Kev. I would have lost my shit if the team traded for a blind player. You know, <laughs> they didn't tra- they didn't, no, they didn't trade for him. He was a second-round draft pick. So, yeah. Oh, my. That's even worse. Drafted a dude who can't see? He, uh, he went draft. to college at Tennessee. I had that Tennessee. wrong. I- I'm thinking of someone else, but yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, there was like a, some, see in Tennessee. Apparently, look. Apparently, the bullets knew that seeing is overrated for a basketball player. Yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, back That's on wild. topic. So let, the yeah. one thing, um, as long as we've got you here, what's mm-hmm. you know what's your like view of the Wizards? You know, obviously you don't watch them every game. You know, you probably don't pay that much attention to them except like you know, like probably in a couple of days when you, we're, we're going to have a game, but like, what's sort of your picture of the, the wizards and their, your thoughts on the wizards and like they're, cause they're taking a very different strategy. OKC yeah. said, okay, we're going to, we know we're going to bottom out. It's going to suck, but then mm-hmm. we hope we're going to be good again. And the wizards mm-hmm. are taking the, the, that build from the middle approach where they say, we're going to just muddle along and, you know, if everything breaks our way, maybe we can be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that's what I say. Ownership 
you know, ha has a huge part in this mm -hmm. in, in any, in any direction that a, that a franchise decides to go with. Um, so, you know, you've, the Wizards and, and Bradley Beal, I mean, they're at the hip. Like when, when he signed that extension with a no trade clause, I just went, you know, I, I, I did the blinking guy meme, right? Um, like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, my, my friend Fred Katz covered uh, covered the Wizards for a few years. And so, Fred you did know, such a great job, by the way. He's <laughs> awesome. Really loved him. Yeah, he really loved is. Him. I, I, I never, I never uh, miss the opportunity to give him hell uh, when I can, but he's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, um, so like I, I was obviously sort of I was a little more he was he was like covering the Wizards during the uh, the Marshawn Brooks debacle uh, of a trade. You know, we we always laugh about that. But yes, um, the, the wrong Brooks. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and, and obviously I tend to agree about Brad Beal. Is he is he occasionally like a top 15 guy in the NBA? Sure. You know, uh, he, he's going, he has made all NBA teams. Um, he, he's yeah. going to be one of those guys that is in that conversation. Um, is that, is that enough? No. Uh, can you pick up a poor Zingas and, you know, try, try to move it along? Yeah. Getting star players is, is difficult in the NBA, no matter how you choose to do it. Whether you say we're going to do it through free agency, we're going to do it via trade. We're going to do it via the draft. It's hard. The wizards, you know, I, I think they're sort of hoping the next disgruntled guy comes along and they're going to have maybe the maybe the draft assets and maybe a prospect or two to go make that happen and just try to tread water in the meantime. You know, is, is that what the front office wants to do? Hey, I, I don't know. But I mean, it, it, it seems to me that like that's what they've been given permission to do. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's team that I look back and we talked about Halliburton, right? I mean, you, you look at the draft that they've that they've had they've gotten some some decent players but you know there's other ones that was like man that guy could have really unlocked things so yeah the, one of the concerns that that i have um is because I, i'm not in the room so a lot of this is just sort of reading the tea leaves and that is yeah that you know when you pick um hachimura and you get this big you know the big japanese um connection to marketing in J japan and the wizards have done great with that they 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 do well with their like high level marketing. Um, and then you pick Avgia the next year, you got the Middle East, uh, well, at least uh, one country's marketing rights kind of all locked up. And so I, I just wonder whether there were marketing considerations when, where there were considerations that went beyond the basketball court. I don't know that I'm speculating, but I do wonder yeah. if that's a factor. Well, and, and here's something else to consider because OKC has gone very international um ever since the rebuild mm -hmm. and i mean this is nothing that like i've heard from the team or whatever it's just sort of like a thought that sort of emanated out is that you know international players especially if you look at like a nikola Jokic, who is who seems very connected to denver um you know like some of these international players seem to be more connected to the team that they're with and they seem to be less inclined to make a push for one of those destination markets. That could be a consideration too, right? If the Wizards are like, not only is, is Hachimura a, a big thing in Japan, but, you know, maybe if he does hit, he's more likely to want to stick it out here in this market, right? That could be a consideration too. Um, 
And in and a side note, I'll never forget when Washington came to OKC for the first time after Hachimura, such a huge media contingent. I mean, it was, yeah. it, it was just, it, it was, I was like in awe, just like seeing how many people were like desperately trying to get a quote from this guy. That was just how massive, you know, how massively important it was to get like, you know, access to him uh, from, from yeah. that media. Yeah. Yeah, and to your point, uh, I caught him last year when we were on the. Uh, I'm I'm up in the Bay Area, so I went mm. down to to L.A. Uh, the past season, and I recall the Clippers actually hosted a Japan night, like when Rui came through. And so, even though these like uh, Japanese Americans, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming they were Japanese Americans, but let's just to be politically correct, um, the the Asian Americans. Um, though rooting for the Clippers were there to support their countrymen, kinmen, whatever you want to call it. And then mm-hmm. uh, rewind a clock to this past year, December, I went up to Sacramento for the Kings game. And the same thing. It was the, the Japanese heritage stuff. So two things. I knew L.A. had a, a big Asian uh, population. Did not know that about the capital of California. So, like, <laughs> you go and you see these things, it's like, oh, like, Rui's bringing the uh, numbers out. And the same thing with um, with Denny Ambia, uh, mm-hmm. a, a quick connector there. I recall, like, being back in high school, maybe, I mean, uh, college, my freshman year, I came home to see my parents, and the Wizards were playing it. The Demarcus Cousins, Omari Caspi led Kings. And, you know, D.C. has a sizable Jewish population. So you hear in Yiddish being spoken to uh, Omari Caspi. And now, because Denny, Denny's the coldest Jew to ever play basketball. Move over, John Shire. It's, it's Denny. Like, regardless <laughs> of what Caspi uh, think of him, he's the coldest Jew yep. to play. Like, John Shire yep. don't have that dribbling package that Denny has. Um, yep. Every game, like, so the past year when I'm back home going to games, it's like a huge Jewish population. Like, these guys are like gods to their fellow people. And I, and it, as, as a black man, it makes me a bit jealous because I wasn't around like when the first like blacks were breaking into the NBA, right. but it's yeah. why I also get why Americans, like you see Luca, you weren't around when you had like Larry Bird, though I must admit it says something about American patriotism when Tyler Hero doesn't get the same love that uh, Luca Doncic did. Like you want to choose a Balkan over a, a Wisconsin? Come on. Like, I, I, I digress. But yeah, just 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 yeah. quick aside to that point. So yeah, I do see the marketing, um, the marketing appeal, and these guys call it the Dirk Nowitzki effect, right? Like you, you think about Dirk, you you think Big D. Never wanted to leave. Never decided to leave. Think you're gonna see the same with Jokic, but for our guys, I hope they tell Ted, "I'm out of this piece of shit. I'm leaving. I'm never playing for this nepotism <laughs> coach again. I'm done with this organization." Like, because we we tried to trade Denny for um, Demontis Sabonis, and we just tried to trade Rui for allegedly, like this, allegedly uh, for alleg- for Jay, right? allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. yeah, for for uh, Jay Crowder, and I, I like Crowder. He's a dog. We could have gave up Will Barton. See, he, he, here, <laughs> here's the thing with with Crowder is it's like the classic kind of so Wizards tr- trade to trade number one for somebody young for him, right? But he he was sitting there. They could have picked him, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was he was in the draft, and he would have been a great pick. And I had I at the time like knew people over there and was talking to them, and 
you know, th this is when I had just started doing my stat-based draft evaluations and Crowder popped right at the top. I mean, not at the all the way top because that was the Anthony Davis draft, but right. Yeah. You know, he was Although, still like top five, you know, he turned and out then, better than Michael Kidd Gilchrist, you know, you got to give him that. So, yeah. But um, I mean, <laughs> even, even when I've, I've made a bunch of revisions and refinements, which I applied going back and he's moved down some, you know, he, I, if he, a prospect exactly like him were coming out now, He'd probably, but he'd still be a top 10 pick. I mean, top 10, 12, he'd still be a lottery pick, right? And so <laughs> the, the Wizards at the time thought he didn't have a position in the NBA. So they um, passed on him in the second round. I think that's the year they, who did they pick? I think they picked Jordan Clarkson and sold him to the Lakers. Mm. But, um, you know, it was something mm. like that. It was, it was some move that was like that. That might have also, I don't know, might have been somebody they traded to the Mavericks. But um, the point is, he was sitting there. They could have picked him. He likely would have been a starting forward for them as a rookie because they didn't really have anybody and likely would have been a starting forward for them for like a decade. But, um, you know, kind of a quick aside there. Whenever you see teams that are selling draft picks. Yeah. And, and I know like second round picks, they're, they're very hit or miss. They're dicey or whatever. Sure. You know, the Nikola Jokic is an outlier in the second round. But I mean, there's still the opportunity to get someone that's kind of productive. When you're selling that, that it's not benefiting the team. Especially it's benefiting like it's someone. Kind of high. Yeah. Well, yeah. A, a lot of times. So this is one of the things I learned from talking with the, the them is when they sold the picks, those picks go go back into the basketball operations budget. And so, you know, the the team, the the basketball operations, they, they get a budget like any business, you know, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, people don't like if, to, to hear that, but it is true. Yeah. You know? And so when they sold the pick, for example, they could get the million dollars at the time or 2 million, whatever they got for it. And you just put that right back into the basketball operations budget. Now you've got a little bit of extra money and maybe you can sign an extra guy at a, on a minimum or sign an extra guy yeah. to the G league or, you know, or, or maybe you can hire another coach or buy some new computers or something. I mean, there's, there's little investments that you can make maybe yeah. that you couldn't have made if you didn't sell the pick, but still, yeah. like you say, it's the way I look at the second round is especially in the, the early part of the second round is those are really like low cost bets. Right. And so if you have a chance to do like a $10 bet and you have a chance to win a million bucks, you want a lot of those bets. And um, the wizards for years just kept selling the picks over and over again. Yeah. And that's tough. You know, the, the, that stuff, because one, you know, if one or two of those guys becomes a, you know, just even a 13th guy, right. We just talked about depth earlier. Yeah. If you just have, you know, OKC. And again, I know OKC, they just lost tonight. We're talking about a team that's now what 16 and, and 22 on the season, but like, it's almost <laughs> a little 17 and 21. Yeah. So go, go ahead. <laughs> but it's almost a little difficult to get all the guys playing time. Like they have a second round pick from a couple of years ago, Aaron Wiggins from the Maryland area yeah. who is really good. I mean, it, really good, especially compared to where he was drafted. And it's like hard for this team to get this guy like a consistent role or, or decent minutes. And when he plays, it's just like, man, they got to find him room. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, yes, the Thunder in years past also took like a Kevin Hervey or a Devin Hall, or, you know, we can find a lot of misses, Daniel Hamilton, et cetera. But yeah. You know, you 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 take enough bites of the apple, you might find that one guy, and so yeah. it just it compounds the problem if you're constantly like bailing out of those picks. 
So that leads me to another question, one I've been curious about for probably about two years now, and that is why is Kenrick Williams still on this team? Yeah, and so just to, to give people a little context here, he was a throw-in. Okay, so OKC, this was this was after the COVID year. They traded Steven Adams to New Orleans. They turned it into a multi-team trade. And to make the salaries work on the trade, OKC got back three players from New Orleans. Uh, they were signed to three-year contracts. The last two years, not guaranteed. Kevin, you, you probably know the rules on this. In order to do a sign-and-trade, first year guaranteed, years two and three not guaranteed. Um, New Orleans traded Josh Gray, Zylan Cheatham, and Kenrich Williams to OKC just to make the salary work. And yeah. so, like, heading into – like, during the preseason that year, OKC later picked up um, Frank Jackson. And and it looked like, you know, he's pretty decent. Maybe he could make the team. He didn't make the team out of training camp. Kenrich Williams did. And Kenrich just continued to impress every time he got on the floor. Um, became more and more of a vocal leader in the locker room, a very steadying presence during a rebuild, um, all sorts of intangibles. Meanwhile, like in this COVID season, he's shooting like 40% from three. And he's just playing his ass off just every possession, right? Kenny Hustle is, is an apt nickname for him. He is on the record as saying, I want to retire okay. in Oklahoma yeah. City. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, I, I want to retire from here, which is for any player to say that again in a non-destination market is kind of like oh okay and um you know especially like 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 a role player that you know the kind of player that typically moves around a lot just because of the nature of the you know of, of the position but the thunder value him very highly not only for what he brings on the court but all those intangibles in the locker room as well and and uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to surprise some people, but there are players that actually do enjoy not only living in Oklahoma City, but playing for the Thunder organization. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, is he like I, I bet he, future I bet coach, he does. You all, executive, you, you know, all that kind of giving thing? him a contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so Cambridge did sign an extension um, that kicks in next year. He signed okay. that over the summer. Uh, so he's locked in you know, for the next four years after this. And yeah, I mean, look, Kevin, I'm, I'm there have been so many former Thunder players that come back to the organization in some capacity. Uh, Eric Maynard, who you may know, you know, a, yeah. a little bit about, right? Good guy, um, not that good a player, but yes. <laughs> and a, a unfortunate ACL tear that, that altered his career, but, you know, still, uh, he's back with OKC. Uh, DJ White, you know, mm -hmm. was a player who was with the Thunder, with the original Thunder when they came in here. He's back with the team. Andre Robertson uh, is practicing. I mean, I think just sort of being back in the city and around the team, but he's practicing with the OKC Blue. I don't think that means like he's trying to get back into the league or anything, but mm -hmm. um, Nick Collison has a high level role at the front office. Nazi Muhammad is the GM of the OKC Blue. Like mm -hmm. there are a lot of Thunder alumni that have worked their way back into like positions here in OKC with the Thunder, Anthony Morrow. I don't think he's still with the team, but I know he had a position at one point point being is like, you know, Shooting a lot of these hope. guys. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, you know, they, they make their way back. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a good business strategy, right? Like let your employees go elsewhere and come back home with a bread is butter. I, I like it. I like it. See, I blame, yeah. um, I look at advanced analytics as the corporate, like corporate, making basketball more corporate. And 
um, relating it back to the Wizards, he's like, well, the surefire strategy in building from a business perspective is just making marginal moves. Like, you're not going to like think emotional and tear something down. Hence why Ted, successful businessman. No one can argue against him. And successful at a strategy. See, the capitals, marginal move, marginal move, finally with a breakthrough. He's going to continue um, grabbing pieces. Not that much vastly, more vastly talented than Mr. Williams that we just discussed. So we're going to yeah. keep grabbing the Anthony Gills of the world, uh, these marginal, marginal pieces to Was, was he a new day. addition? Was, or is that someone Anthony else? Gill? Anthony, yeah. Anthony Gill was a guy. He went to University of Virginia, uh, and then he went and played overseas for like four years. And he had um, <laughs> never – I mean, he didn't get drafted. He, I don't mm-hmm. even think he got a, an NBA tryout after he when he left college. And then yeah. he went – like I said, played overseas. His last year before the Wizards signed him was in the Russian League. And um, looked at the numbers, and it's like, okay, the guy can shoot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he can definitely shoot. But they, mm-hmm. they brought Not him over, NBA. and – in the NBA, he, he's 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 not a good player, but he is a he's a great guy. Um, yeah, great guy. Super enthusiastic. He's he's one of those guys who just sort of keeps people together, keeps people from getting mad at each other. Um, yeah, it's like you'll let your sister date him. He's the classic. Oh yeah, I'll let my sister date this guy. Yeah, he, he, he's that. He's the, he's that classic guy. He's yeah. non-threatening. He's a great guy. But I want I want nasty people on that basketball court. I, I want to, mm-hmm. to get after it. Like the Giannis stuff, like lie to the media and say you want to be boring to let them know I'm dominating so much that y'all think I'm boring. Like, you know, I, I want those type of players, those yeah. calculating folks, you know. Well, I so he, he, here's my theory on this, and that is that the Wizards talk a lot about getting guys with good character, right? They, they don't want jerks in the locker room, which I understand. And yeah. Uh, to a point, I understand, but mm-hmm. I think that sometimes they they it seems like they interpret character as basically being polite, right? That that guys are polite and they're nice, and you know that they, they they know how to dress properly for for the occasion. They know which fork to use, right? That that that's the kind of character <laughs> they're talking about. You know, are they like they honest, won't bring wine out of the bottle? And, yeah. You know, but the, the kind of character that you need in like professional sports are things like, you know, toughness and competitiveness. And, you yeah. know, you, you, every group, you can have a group of like polite guys, right? You can have a bunch of nice guys who, who work together well and can win if you also have an asshole, right? You need yeah. one in the group one guy who's going to get on people and say, that's not the way we do it around here. And so like Tim Duncan could be the nicest guy in the world, because I guarantee someplace in that, on that team, there was a jerk. There was somebody who got on everybody's nerves, not all the time, but enough. And they knew he was coming from a good place. Like uh, in Golden State, one of the reasons Steph Curry can be the, the the sweetest guy there is, is because Draymond Green is there being the total ass. The asshole is usually the, uh, darker bald guy we need like a darker bald guy like we need you know like going like black mom but black cat like hey hey people people don't want to you know again like we we've corp we've made basketball so corporate that we forgot the the true like what's undergirded by it right like nastiness like dominance like it's a man's sport like the whole purpose is i'm trying to dominate the person across from me not 
good shot, buddy. That was a great shot. I feel like Gil, Gil be clapping, man. And we've, we've been bringing in these clapping fours and fives since the Drew Gooden era. Like, it's yeah. no more of that, man. We, tried, mean, we brought in um, Paul Pierce once. Paul Pierce had a good effect. We, I was at that game. He just got the shot off too late. He called but, game. Um, yeah. He called game one time. Yeah. He called that was game. Great. On one game, but then we needed him to call a game. I think that was game six. And uh, I think I was still in college or maybe I just graduated college. But back then, you know, you drink a lot in college. So your brain cells start to deplete when they should be uh, mm-hmm. firing on all cylinders, right? So I was telling folks Dennis Schroeder is a top 10 point guard. The numbers backed me up. The numbers backed me up. <laughs> he was a top 10 point guard on his team. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was like back in uh, what was that? We lost to them. Was that 20, 2015, 2014, 15 season? We I lost think so, yeah. Was that the 60-win team? Yeah, the Hawks 60-win team. I think it was. Where are you 60 Yeah, he was backing up um, Jeff Teague. Guy named yeah, Teague, Jeff Teague. Teague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teague was a good player I for was a few like, years. Hey, free, yeah, free Dennis. He uh, he a top ten point guard. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that was a yeah. good team. Yeah, it's you know again I. It's all tough. It's, it's, man, it's so easy to, you know, hindsight, you know, Monday morning quarterback, every decision a team makes. And, you know, I, I totally get that. And I, I always keep that in mind. Um, You know, something else that you mentioned too, about toughness. I mean, that's even with OKC. I mean, that's something that like Sam Presti is getting some very long media availabilities during this rebuild. Um, and he's talked about a great number of things, but he's even talked about like that being important, right? Like having, having that one guy that has that mean streak in him that can also like get other people's attention. And, you know, every team needs that guy. I, I don't know that there's enough of those. It, it just the way the league is now, right? Just, you know, every player is friendly with every other player. It's kind of different, difficult to find. I think those guys, they used to be a lot more common across the league. It yeah. feels like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to be like back in my day no. as I'm talking about yeah, this, yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, no, but you, you need you, it. Just... You do in yeah. any group, you need somebody who can, who can stand yeah. up and say, you know, th- what you're doing, you're not at the level that we need it. And this is, yeah. you know, we need you to be there. And, you know, that's, that is tough to do. It, that's a hard thing to do. Draymond just took it too far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Draymond, like. Draymond has taken it too far at times and took and it's it been far. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. I know. But like nowadays, like teams want to, because I mean, if you think about it, like the Warriors are what, like they're on their what, fifth, fifth straight ring. If uh, Draymond's jealousy and taking it too far with KD doesn't, uh, blow up that dynasty, right? And then, yeah. um, so I, that's what I think. But luckily for you all, you all have one. You you have one of the best ones in the league. That Haitian boy named Lou Dort. I love his name. I love everything <laughs> about Lou Dort, man. I, I will take a team of Lou Dort and go to war every day. We will win 45 games in the, 20, the mid-2010s West. So the wild, wild west. Give me five blue dorks, like, you know, point uh, differentiate between the sizes. So give me like a point guard size blue door or two guard blue door. We went in, we went across the 50 games. He has, he I, has everything you need, man. I, uh, I, I thought this was going to pivot into a Shea Gildas Alexander conversation for a moment, <laughs> but no. I love him too, but yeah. he's a Kobe disciple. But Lou Dort, I love Lou Dort. I love everything he stands for, man. There, there is a lot 
to like about Lou Dort. And I mean, obviously his story is, is tremendous making his way from a two-way contract to, you know, scoring 30 points against Houston in game seven in the NBA, in the Disney bubble. Um, yeah. The thing, the thing about Lou, and, and this has been with other players with the Thunder during the rebuild is that, you know, you give young players room to grow. Hey, let's, let's let Darius Baisley run the offense for a few games. Let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> Lou Dort had that, you know, has had that opportunity over the past few years, right? Where it's just sort of like, let's let's see what all Lou can do. And, you know, he, his game has improved. His offensive game has improved a lot, especially since his rookie year. But he's in a situation with OKC where it feels like once OKC gets healthy, he's going to have to sort of naturally scale back. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things with Lou where – there have been times where like he's coming down and taking a three with 28 seconds left on the shot clock. And it's like, you could probably get that shot and you know, like another pass or two later. Right. Um, there's this season. It's like finishing at the rim has been a challenge for whatever reason for him. Right. Um, he, he does, he plays with some reckless abandon at times. And, and, and I do think that is very valuable, but you know, like when this team is fully formed, he may be a guy that actually has to scale back his, his offensive role and focus more on being that point of attack defender and causing disruption that way, you know, in, in order for this team to like really find its next level, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all comes together. Yeah. And I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I, I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think that he, um, Ron and I have had this conversation. I think like it would be better for him, for OKC and for him, if his, if he brought his usage down to, you know, from 20% to like 15% ish, you know, something like there where he's taking open shot. Cause I worry a little bit that he, well, let's put it this way. I have a different, like Dylan Brooks, for example, over in Memphis is a, a similar kind of player, very tough minded, yeah. you know, tough defender. Well, and I like that. Who's just willing to be the turd in the punch bowl and say, you know, Oh, is that end. the line? Let, let me cross that. Let me cross that by a good margin. Yeah. yeah. That's Dylan. That's, that's Dylan Brooks. And you know, <laughs> Dylan Brooks is like, I, I did a, a, I mean, I joke about this, but like Dylan Brooks looks in the mirror and he sees Michael Jordan, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And he, I like he, that. he takes crazy shots and all this kind of stuff. And it would be better for Memphis, I think, if he would dial those shots back, you know, especially the, just the outlandish crazy ones, but he's not going to. He a better shooter than Jock. Uh, no. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I would rather it's I would like rather Dylan Brooks, like like Dylan any shot Dylan probably ja over uh, a shot from Dylan, but yeah. I feel like the name see see Carol don't like the gritty players. He like the superstars who play the no, I like basketball. gritty players. I like gritty players. I he I, like the Halliburton. Halliburton the turnstile on defense. He he like the Halliburtons of the world, man. <laughs> he don't like the Denny's, the I'm gonna go after you. Denny just, just the wrong pigment. No, it just a goes to show, like, Denny, so I much think, goes into making a team work, right? You got you got to have a lot of variety, I think, to make everything really work. Yeah, I, th- I, I like, I could be happy, I think, if Denny could get just like a little bit more of like that Dylan Brooks attitude, where, you know, he knocks somebody down instead of like trying to sneak the chest in and sneak the chest bump in, just lower the shoulder and level the guy, and then next time he won't come in there like that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So, hey, these these players these days, they be swinging, man. It's like the you whole world on edge, right? Like we're all at a, a, a fever pitch. It's 
the CTE is rampant. See, here's the thing. I don't know what about that. They're going to swing on them and then anti-Semitism going to start coming out. Like uh, One of my proudest I'm, I'm, I'm moments. for that. One of my proudest moments from back in the day when I played high school basketball was when I annoyed my opponent so much that he took a swing at me and got kicked out of the game. So if Denny started doing that semi-regularly, once every 10 games, I'd, I'd be president of the – if it took a coup, yeah. I would be president of his fan club. It, uh, okay. Yeah, it, it depends okay. on how these guys are wired, right? It, it, it really does. And there, there are some guys that just like – you know, like, like Shea Gildas Alexander with OKC, it would be such a heel turn for him to like turn into that kind of guy. He is just like genuinely, I, I have no, this guy is like driven and he wants to be great. And he stated it over and over. Right. But I am pretty sure he lets flies just land on him and just, you know, no, I don't want to swat you, you know, just go ahead and do your thing. Like he's just, so, some people it's just how they're wired. Right. And that's, it's not yeah. good, bad or whatever, but there are other guys that they don't put up with that. Yeah. No, I think yeah. for it to really work in terms of like the, the bit, right. It, it really needs to be like the, the, the role player level guy, you know, Draymond yeah. is that um, I think Dort is at that, that right level to do that. Dylan Brookshire is um, except yeah. for on the offensive end. Where, like I said, he, he did any shots that looks good to him. So, yeah. And, and there's some I, there's some thought that that Chet could have that now. I mean, people are looking at a guy that's like he's seven foot and 165 pounds soaking wet, blah, blah, blah. But that dude, he's got he's got a mean streak. And so that I think there's some thought that he is going to be able to bring. He's not going to be a guy that does like the Charles Oakley, like, you know, butt you into the second row type thing. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that just that talks and can back it up. Mm-hmm. and is going to get a little more physical than people realize and you know like you say every team needs guys like that and i know that's what okc is looking for is who's going to step up and assume that void because it's needed for this yeah. team to, to 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 take that next step yeah yeah and i hope uh i hope you all get there and and yeah. because you have too much talent and we know uh your owner i mean he didn't well, well, you could speak on it the difference between the contract they were going to give uh, Harden as opposed to Ibaka, but we know he didn't want to pay them both. Uh, you aren't going to be able to afford all that talent you have. So whenever it comes up that, cause I don't think Dort's going to take a roll back. I, mean, I remember, I recall the overweight Stan Van Gundy talking about uh, Dort needs to get in better condition so he could be good on his threes. And it's like, come on, Stan. Like, bro, come on, you. And like, he guarded James Harden. Like, have you ever yeah. guarded the toughest player? Of course, you're gonna tire out and like not yeah. have it. But in any event, yeah. um, I recall him. He can't shoot. He can't do this. He can't do that. And then he did it. And now you you're gonna ask him to take a step back. I hope he says no. And that's the superstar that needs to ask out. <laughs> and if he comes to DC, it's a wrap. I'm telling you now, it's oh, a wrap. Oh man. He would fit in a lot of places. I, yeah. I could I could definitely hijack the pod for four hours and talk about the Harden <laughs> trade. All, all that I want to get across is that there is a lot that was misunderstood about that whole situation. And a lot of people connected it to, like you just did, with the Ibaka extension, which happened a month, well over a month before they, they made the Harden trade, or people connected to Kendrick Perkins. There's a salary cap and there's a tax system but there's also like an opportunity cap. And the, the reality was James Harden was going to be no better than the third best option with KD and Russ. 
that became a problem. And that it, it, it was becoming a problem and it was since to be a massive problem. Now, were, were some of OKC contract offers below max? Yeah, but that was also keeping in line with sacrifices that like Nick Collison made when he extended his contract. Kevin Durant made when he signed his extension without a player option extension that Russell Westbrook signed that would that wrote out this Rose rule that could have given him a bonus if he would have made another all NBA team like like there was this line of sacrifices that players made and I mean to James Harden's credit he was like I'm really good <laughs> you know um I don't know that I need to be making these kind of sacrifices that you're asking me to make here and so I I just I push back on that I it's it's a trade that a lot of people and obviously there's been some national personalities that have perpetuated that that have painted that solely as a financially driven trade a lot more complicated okay. than that and even someone not connected to the team i talked to years later it was like look finances were like part of the you know it was a it was a consideration like with any deal but it wasn't driving the bus and here's a lot of the other reasons that were going on so i just Again, I could go on for a lot longer talking about that, but I always no. like, you know, throw that out there too, that it, it okay. is painted as like, you know, it was these poor Oklahoma City owners that wouldn't pay the tax. It had a lot to do with James Harden being like, I kind of think I need my own team now. And to his credit, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Way to, way to defend your, your city. Like, because nationally, they've been throwing – um, I say I'm economical, but most people assume that means cheap. And it's like, no, I'm economical. If I don't need it, I don't need it. But they were calling a billionaire, Mr. Bennett, cheap. And I know. Like, no, yeah. okay. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, the, and the context behind it. Like, like I say, there were some prominent voices out there that were definitely pushing that. And I, I don't blame anyone that like doesn't follow this team very closely, not completely like integrated with like some of the day-to-day -day operations. I understand where like a lot of people could draw that conclusion too. Um, but yeah, it's like, and, and again, I'm not just like, I've talked to a lot of people over the years to try to find out like some of those inner workings and it hasn't been strictly like Thunder PR relaying this information to me at all. Um you know, but, but it is something that like over time, it's like I sort of understood, like it, it had a lot more to do with like, you, you got a young player that he, James Harden was better off financially going to Houston, not only from an NBA contract, but just from his career. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, becoming a superstar with his own team and being the face for franchise again, just, just a few little, few little drop and drops and nuggets there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank so you. So let's um let's let's wrap up with um, with this. The Wizards and the Oklahoma City Thunder have a game coming Friday. I think that's the next game for both teams. Yeah, Friday night. Yeah. So um, crazy predictions. So the Wizards are going to be missing Beal almost certainly. He aggravated mm -hmm. his left hamstring um, against Milwaukee after having missed several games with a strained hamstring um, earlier in the season. I think or. Was it last season? He he's had strained hamstrings, both both hamstrings. Um, it's the new the NBA injury lately too. So yeah. welcome to the club. Yeah. So he'll be out, but uh, there are plenty of people who think that the Wizards are actually better without him, despite the two hundred fifty million dollar contract. Um, and then so who who are like uh, is is Shea? I mean, well, who who will Oklahoma City be missing? Do you think? Yeah, uh, where they're at right now. So Shea Gilgis Alexander, he missed the game versus Boston, the the game that OKC scored 150 points 
like a franchise record. Um, and no team has scored that many points against the Celtics since like the Wes Unseld era in Washington. Right. Um, but, but yeah, he, uh, he missed that game with an illness, but he was back against Orlando tonight. Um, now like OKC's big men are depleted. Um, they're, they're missing Alexei Pokashevsky. Obviously they're missing Chet Holmgren. They're without Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, tonight, Jalen Williams, this is Jay will the six ten big man from Arkansas rolled his ankle tonight. Um, it may be a small unit going out for OKC. So, um, but you know, SGA giddy Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, you know, all those guys are expected to be in uniform and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how OKC handles with, with most of their traditional fives, just like not being available to them. Yeah, well, the Wizards had or got Orlando with uh, something like that. Basically, all of Orlando's big guys were um, or centers were suspended because of the the that, that Detroit fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, they, you know, Orlando still had Bencaro. They still had uh, Bull Bull, and so they, they had some length, but they didn't really have like the physical guy in the middle. And uh, you know, Porzingis kind of had his way inside. Gafford did as well. Um, so, and the Wizards did pretty well. They, you know, they won that game pretty handily. And then they played Milwaukee and uh, Milwaukee had Lopez, but they were missing Giannis, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Wizards won that one predictably. And then uh, the the last game, you know, Giannis went nuts, went, scored 55 on him. And uh, mm-hmm. turns out that Giannis was kind of important to the Milwaukee Bucks. As so, it turns out. Yeah. yeah. Should be a fun match. Yeah, we could have still beat them. Porzingis tends him. to do a little better uh, against like the, the big drop center types, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, he likes to shoot threes. He likes to play out on the perimeter. Um, so it'll be interesting if to see what happens with, um, it, you know, if OKC ends up with a bunch of like six, eight guys and uh, doing a lot of switching and to see whether the wizards send them inside because they've been starting him and Gafford together with Gafford playing more of the center role. Yeah. So that and Porzingis spends more time outside. So it, that'll be interesting. He he can sort of mash against smaller guys, but inside, but that's not his preferred thing. And that's where Kenrich Williams has been playing a lot, a lot more of the, you know, a lot f- of five. That's what he started at the five against the Celtics. Um, played a lot of five tonight against Orlando. Um and so even to start the season, like game one against Minnesota with Townsend Gobert, like he was in the starting lineup defending those guys. And so he, he can defend a lot bigger than, than his actual six foot. I, he's probably listed at six, seven. I'm guessing he's probably six, six in reality, but right. um, yeah, that's going to be like the source of OKC's interior defense. And, you know, the, what, what a lot of teams have done this season is basically we're going to throw everything at Shea and you know we're going to make life difficult for him they're not going to shut him down so to speak he's had very few like you know really off games this season but they're going to dare okc like the other guys to 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 come out and knock down shots and so if okc is feeling it that night they generate a lot of great looks because they drive the ball constantly they drive the ball so much and they drive and kick and they create opportunities can they pay them off can can lou dort Ron's favorite player here. Can he connect on a bunch of these threes and make Washington pay? You know, that's, oh, he's that's on a quick Corey Kispert. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here's the John, thing. One, I'm going to tell you for free. Uh, We're going to kill you all in the paint, and Lou <clears throat> Dort's going to cook Corey Kispert. 
like it, it is what it is. So yeah. I'm kill um, you in the paint. <laughs> yeah, the the so the Wizards uh, perimeter defenders they they have basically like well one guy who actually plays who will keep his man in front of him that's Delon Wright. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, they have Jordan Goodwin who can do it, but he hasn't been playing um, since they got their guys you know got their guys back. He he's there on a two way, and uh, he he did a very good job, but he's been out of the rotation since they got. He was like. In that game earlier, I think he played against OKC. And mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think if I'm confusing him with another player with a similar ilk, but I, but I just remember like just a big hustle guy, you know. Yeah, but just... well, he's like you know he's small guard. He's what six three, six four. Yeah, got six freaky three. long arms. Freaky yeah. long arms. He's got like a seven foot wingspan on a six three frame, and um, he's all about point guard. And he's a tough kid, and yeah. he should be playing, you know, minutes every game. But they, like I said, they they don't have him out there. But the, the other thing is <clears> that with Gafford, they've been had a lot of success over the last, what, seven, eight games with Gafford and Porzingis starting together. And I'm really curious to see if it's something they can keep up. And one of the reasons is it's like every great lineup on defense, like you, you, when you start looking, a lot of times you keep finding, oh, it's the three-point shooting and it's just a fluke. And, you know, the, the opposing team – when those two guys are on the floor are shooting about 19% on threes. So mm-hmm. it's probably the defensive stuff is probably a fluke. I mean, that it's low enough that, um, and that's actually an improvement. It was down like down around 17% before the bucks game. So um, literally the opposing teams could have made twice as many threes and still been below average uh, shooting against uh, the, the yeah. wizards when Gafford and Porzingis were on the floor together. So That'll be yeah. an interesting thing to watch because just from the eye, it seems like they get plenty, you know, opposing team gets plenty of open looks from three. They're just not hitting them. Yeah. Mm. And OKC was Long nailing the other night against Boston. So, yeah. you know. Well, all that luck ends on Friday. Yeah. Not nailing against the Washington <laughs> Monument. Like, I was too big. Hey, man. It's so gen- Honestly, honestly, the only thing we're missing is a dynamic point guard to play amongst the trees. Like we're, I think I, I looked it up today. We're uh, 10th or 11th in height, like average height. But the strength of our team is the front court. I wish Bill was a uh, point guard. If Bill was a point guard, a natural point guard, we would not have lost to to you all back in D.C. He had some, some very bad turnovers late in that fourth quarter that, I mean, he still hit the big shot. He did hit the shot yep. that put us up uh, before, you know, Shay did his call me Jimmy, Hemi Carter, um, <laughs> tru- tru- like, prod on us. But, yeah, um, like we have run that, with, like, if Bill, we've run with if, that pun ever had, since then. Yeah. Yeah, Bill had, like, natural point guard tendencies, like the, the main one, i.e. know what to do at a particular time. Like, now's the time to, you know, throw the ball in the post, so now's the time to score. And that's tough for a lot of them, right? But if he had that, we, we wouldn't have lost to you all. And we will be, man, we'll be like a top three seed because for the first time in my life, um, the Wizards are forcing teams to adapt to the way we play. Like before we tried to oh, go get Otto, get Brad, do the spacing, three and D, you know, let John be the ecosystem, pick and roll, pick and pop game. Now with these two I, I, don't, I mean, it's more than two because Kuzma is 6'10", and then we bring in Rui Hachimura, who's 6'8", Denny Abia, who's 6'9", 
even Corey Kisper, 6'7", it's just, you know, he has no shot stand with the 6'4", Lou Dort. No shot, no shot, no shot. Um, it's like we're so tall. It, it forces, like, and then, you know, the NBA, they switch everything these days. Yeah. We literally have a mismatch, or we could generate a mismatch on every play, and we just need a dynamic point guard to unlock it all. So I, I, I say that to end here. Come on and trade us uh, Giddy, man. You don't need him. We need the Australian market. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, no. man. Y'all don't need – the Australian's not coming to OKC, man. Come on. Hey. Give us give, – come on. Give us jobs. OKC for years cornered the New Zealand market. Now we're getting the, the Australian market. So, no. Nope. Y'all um, don't need it, man. Y'all have enough. Oceana, <laughs> you already got some Oceana. Share the wealth, dude. Share the wealth. <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, thanks uh, very much for joining us tonight. Uh, where can people uh, check out your work, listen to you, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So primarily I'm on Twitter at John M. Ham, and uh, it's spelled just like the actor's name. So and uh, yeah, occasionally I get people that are tweeting at me that are congratulating me for some movie that I've made or some commercial I've done or inviting me to come speak at some graduation in St. Louis or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that guy. But, um, you know, you can spell the name like that and find me there. Uh, and so, yeah, as mentioned, uh, I've done a lot of work over the years, you know, writing for Bleacher Report and, uh, you know, also doing uh, doing local radio work. But these days, uh, it's mostly the OKC Dream Team podcast. It's on Patreon.com. Uh, it's me and a few other guys, Andrew Schlecht uh, from Down to Dunk, who's very popular uh, on the Athletic Podcast Network, and uh, uh, Joe Masato, who covers the team for the Oklahoman, Brett Dawson, who uh, used to cover the team for the Oklahoman and the Athletic, and Michele Barra, who's a very, uh, a very brilliant Italian-based, uh, like Thunder Observer overseas. Anyway, we've got we got a we got a crew that puts out content constantly, yeah, and Michele's uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's great. So anyway, we we got our crew. Uh, we put out a lot of content there, and uh, that's that's where a lot of my focus is now. Cool. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, look forward to um, tweeting at you on certainly on Friday. And um, <laughs> with that, we will wrap up, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the So Wizards podcast. <laughs>